Content warning, this episode contains mentions of sexual assault. If you do not feel comfortable with this topic, you can go listen to our other episodes. Alright, alright, alright. Good time of day, brothers and sisters. My name is Sutan. I am the host of the Group 6 podcast. Joined by my co-hosts Shira, Paxton, and Anga. Say hi, everyone. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. All right. Very cool. So, let's talk about sports, shall we? More specifically, athletics. Have y'all heard the news recently? There's been a little uh, brand dealings in the U.S. A push for increased uh, sponsorships and deals. Have y'all heard about it? No, I have not. Unfortunately, I have not heard about that. Maybe you can talk about it more? All right, we can do that. So, college sports is in the midst of its most significant change in a generation. A mixture of new state laws in the United States and NCAA rules changes that went into effect on July 1st have provided athletes with varying degrees of new protections and opportunities to make money by selling their name, image, and likeness, or NIL rights. Ooh. Very cool. While athletes start to strike deals this summer, questions remain about the short and long-term implications of a major shift in amateurism rules. Who will shape the large gray areas produced by the novel, Loose Guidelines? Will Congress provide a uniform federal law to simplify and clarify? As politicians, schools, athletes, and the parties interested in paying them sort through this brand new marketplace, the space below will remain dedicated to providing you with the most update information on that process. So that was a statement written by Dan Murphy of ESPN in this news article titled Everything You Need to Know About the NCAA's NIL Debate. So, here's the latest updates. When Georgia Tech's football players head to a hotel this weekend on the eve of their first game of the season, some of them will be packing a new set of silk TiVo-branded pajamas. Ooh, the new era of name, image, and likeness deals in college sports never sleeps. The swanky PJs are part of what Yellow Jacket players received in exchange for agreeing to promote TiVo on social media this month. They also got prepaid debit card worth $404 and the company's own 4K streaming device. As part of the partnership, which was facilitated by Georgia Tech's athletic department, TiVo provided the school an upgrade to its audiovisual equipment in some of the team facilities. The total value is more than $100,000 according to the TiVo Chief of Revenue Officer, Matt Mellon who said 90 of the team's players have signed a contract for the endorsements. Oh, so what do you guys think of this? Getting pajamas? Debit cards? Streaming devices for signing a deal? Definitely something I've never heard about before. I agree, and I found that the information that you have just mentioned is fairly interesting. And I think that maybe the others would like to add their own points regarding this matter. Um, it is questionable since, um, from what I know, is that like in the United States they don't have specific laws 
requiring that to state that like oh like these are all advertisements and it's up to the uh, creator so yeah there's uh they would be able to just make off make money from it since yeah yeah there's no laws controlling it right now i am opening the news that you that you have mentioned earlier and i found that in the lead up to the landmarks change that are now allowing all colleges athletes to profit from their fame ncaa stakeholders attempted to strictly limit the involvement of schools and their employee employees could have an arrangement arranging endorsement for their athletes and many didn't even want athletes to be able to use their school's logos or copyright marks because that would create a situation where school and athlete were partners in a contract where both were making money and they feared that athletic departments might reach the point where they were prepackaging enough deals for their star athlete that those endorsements would in effect be salaries arranged by the school but paid by third party what do you guys think about this oh, oh, oh. i'm definitely for supporting athletes and their dreams but i definitely feel like that getting teenagers to pay for these sorts of endorsement deals are a, a step too far if you might ask me what do you guys think i agree let them be and I think these steps are still too much for them. Let's just do what they're doing right now and to prevent, you know, further problems. All right. All right, then. So the current regulations, shaped in part by antitrust concerns in the wake of recent Supreme Court decision, are far less restrictive. The NCAA rules only prohibit a school or its employees from paying an athlete directly for his or her NIL rights. Ooh, got a little rule bending here. Some states have laws in place that say athletic departments and their employees may not, quote, cause compensation to be directed, end quote, to the athletes. But the specifics of what is and what is not allowed remain murky. Mm, got a little, little loophole here. What do you guys think? There's a particularly bad loophole. Yeah, I agree with that. They're just finding loopholes to benefit themselves, I guess. Yeah, since like the laws aren't on a federal level, so of course they could just move to a different jurisdiction and they could still get that loophole. And to the next point, while many in college sports have treaded lightly thus far while learning to navigate what is an uncomfortable and unusual amount of room for interpretation compared to the rest of the NCAA bylaws, that hasn't stopped the forces of competitive market from driving the schools themselves to get involved. What do you think, Sultan? I definitely think that monetization, uh, competitive markets, that should be totally separate from schools. They should not be interacting with one with each other. You know what I mean? Like exposing children, teenagers included, to a lot of these so, uh, allegedly predatory deals is not the most ethical of things to do. 
we're using uh, text in our angle. Well, I agree on that. You agree, I right? agree on your statement. Yes. All right, maybe we should move on to the next topic of the podcast, shall we, Sudan? Of course. So in this next piece of news, we, we, have, we have one written by ESPN titled, Bo Schmembler statue defaced in support of sexual assault victims of former doctor at Michigan. Oh, I definitely butchered that name. So the article reads, a statue on the University of Michigan campus of legendary football coach Glenn Bo Schembechler has been vandalized with paint and a message supporting sexual assault victims of a former sports doctor has been scrawled on the steps of the PC. Oh, now that's not very nice, is it, guys? Great. A crew was working Wednesday to remove red paint splattered on the statue outside the Ann Arbor School football building. The Detroit Press pre-reported. Written in black on the steps was bone new hashtag hail to the victims. The university said Wednesday in a statement that the vandalism was under investigation. Ooh, so what do you guys think about this? You think this was something that was personal to the to the vandalism? No, I don't think that um, it's vandalism. In my opinion, it's more of a way of activism. Activism. Very interesting. uh, They could actually get the problem more spread out towards like others in that way. That is true. But my personal opinion, this is what I would call a dick move. Yeah, you could be an activist, you could spread messages, but you shouldn't you shouldn't go this far. You shouldn't paint over someone's statue. That's just downright disrespectful, you know? Straight violation. What do you think, Anga? Well, I agree. As it's in between the gray area of activism and vandalism, as other directors spread a message, uh, sometimes you can just go too far with it. So I guess that's not really a good idea. The line between vandalism and activism can be so very thin. Anga, you want to continue? Continue to the next point? Moving on to the next point. Written in black on the steps was Bo New, hashtag hail to the victims. The university said Wednesday in a statement that the vandalism was under investigation. A law firm hired by the UN found that officials failed to stop the late Dr. Roberts Anderson despite hearing reports that he sexually assaulted student athletes. The university is in mediation with lawyers who are seeking a financial settlement for for 800 plus people, mostly men. Former Michigan football players have said that they told the man in the 1970s about Anderson's behavior during physical exams. And his son, Matt, has had said that he told his father that Anderson assaulted him as a child. And another son, Glenn, does not think his father was aware that Anderson was doing anything unacceptable during exams. What do you think about this? So as 
is it's clearly bringing up that the main cause of this vandal quote unquote vandalism is as a sexual assault and um if they need to call a law firm to find out that there was essay happening on their campus it in my personal opinion doesn't make sense since um, they should have been taking steps to avoid that in the first place. Very unique take, I must say. Uh, so, Anga, would you like to continue to the next point? You've barely been talking the past few minutes. Alright, I hope I, I do not get this wrong with an email sent to the free press on Wednesday morning which section is in solitary with the, with the hill to the victim's campaign, according to the newspaper. Bull pulled strings and bent over backwards to ensure that Anderson could keep his job. The email continued. It is time for the world to know that Bull is responsible for the abuse of immeasurable Michigan football players. Some have called slumber statues to be taken down and his name removed from the football building. Well, Anderson himself retired in 2003 and died in 2008. Schembler, who died in 2006, is held as the greatest college coach of college football when winning his team. He led the Wolverines from 1969 to 89, won hard 94 games at school, and had 34 victories, wins over, over six seasons at Miami of Ohio. So what do you guys think about this? Oh, wow, that's just downright not, not vibing with me, you know? Like, try protecting a known abuser that you know are abusing people, are sexually assaulting people, that's a big no-no, my friend. I agree with that. I strongly yeah. agree with that. Keeping, this, keeping the statue is, um, you could say, is literally glorifying the abuser and ignoring all of the victims. Yeah. Let's do some theory crafting, shall we? What do you guys, why do you guys think that, uh, Bo, or sorry, Mr. Schoenbrecher, uh, defended or protected Mr. Anderson? Anyone? Well, alright then, since everyone's shy, I'll start. I personally believe that from a very pragmatic standpoint, uh, Anderson was essential to Schembechler's work. So losing losing Schembe losing Anderson would mean losing a very major part of Schembechler's job. And I am just butchering this name. I'm just gonna call him Mr. Bo from now. I don't wanna keep disrespecting the man after he's been violated by these activists or vandalists or whatever you want to call them. So, anyone else? Anyone else want to guess? Maybe he was a friend. You know, friends are known for defending each other. Uh, this might probably yes, maybe Anga. Something that we didn't know, or he had a special 
connection. Oh, it has cancer set. You can go. Oh, wait, Anga, you can go first. Oh, no, sorry. I said before, I'm already done with what I'm, what I'm saying. Uh, maybe Paxton, do you want to say something first? Um, no, sure, I think you should go ahead. All right, then, I think since we're just like, sure. since uh, no juggling one has Aston, anything to say, I feel that, we just, like, that concludes our first topic.